Good afternoon, welcome to the Market Wrap for January 21st, 2022. This is number 84, Stuart Williamson here at the helm. Now, very simply, why do we do this? It's purely as a medium for sharing knowledge uh, with our existing and potential clients and getting our name out there. Obviously, we're trying to make money at the same time as having our clients make money. So if we can share this sort of information, that's fantastic. And if it gets us to get more clients and get more subscribers, wonderful. Uh, the YouTube channel has actually had 44,000 views since we set it up, uh, which is great. So I said, please do subscribe and please do um, tell your friends about it. Press the alarm button or whatever it is at the end. Obviously, it's not as good as Ed Sheeran. I noticed that Ed Sheeran's had 26 million views on his channel. So we're not quite there yet. Okay, so what property points are we going to cover this week? Um, very briefly, what is the best mix of property, investment property to have? Buy to let, buy to, buy to live, HMOs, whatever. Uh, what is the current state of the UK property market at the present? Right move, just come out with a great um, little report. And then how are landlords in the UK cutting their tax bills in 2022 more than ever before? So I'm often asked, what is the best property to buy to get good capital appreciation and get a good rental yield. Well, unfortunately, you can't get one that does both. It's very, very rare. So you need to mix them up. And what we call have a, a, a mixed mature approach or a blend that give you both rental income and capital appreciation. Now, if you're going to do that, you need to buy potentially a cross section of different sorts of property. So you need to obviously do the research on this because it is, you know, caveat emptor, buyer beware. The concept is we buy cheaper property that will give us higher rental yield and a more expensive property that gives us capital appreciation. If you throw into that some alternatives, such as houses of multiple occupancy, that you can make money on the way in and give you a good yield or sheltered accommodation, which give you fixed yields over five years plus, then you're looking at a nice merged um, good mix of property. And it takes time to build. And we, you know, so we talk about at APW is the evolution of buy to let. You start out doing a sort of thing, which is perhaps lower cost, lower, lower return, but a good yield. And over time, it'll change. So basically what you, you start investing in more properties of different nature. So capital appreciation or potential, where do we do that? Rental yield, where do we buy that? Basically, it's a blended approach, a mature evolution approach. Okay, capital appreciation, we'll do that second. Rental, rental appreciation, rental income increases. That's basically, we look at probably the Midlands or the North, where you've got the e-commerce boom, where you've got good infrastructure projects going on. Manchester, Leeds, outskirts of Birmingham, some parts of Nottingham, outskirts, where you can get rental yields on £100,000 to £120,000 property of up to 8%. Higher value stock, you're looking at city centres, Birmingham, Manchester, Nottingham and the outskirts of uh, London. The rental yield is not going to be great, but perhaps looking at 5% if we're lucky. But capital appreciation should be good. Jones Lang LaSalle said, 
in the Midlands, they're expecting 25% growth over the next five years. Blend into that some HMO, bellwether stuff, shelter property, bellwether stuff, and you, you'll make it a good portfolio going forward. Okay, positive and negatives. Let's look at them very briefly. On the one hand, low value housing means you don't need a, a big deposit, which is great. So you can quickly get into the market, but so can everyone else. And someone was saying to me yesterday, can we get this BRR thing going? Buy, renovate, remortgage, rent out. Yeah, we can, if you can find a stock because everyone else is doing it. Okay, so you can get in quickly and you can start making a profit. The flip side is maintenance. You know, if you've got two or three properties, you've got two or three boilers to fix, you've got two or three roofs to fix, and you've got two or three tenants to manage. So it's more of a hassle factor going on. Cheaper property also um, is likely to be smaller, so it tends to attract a different sort of tenant than a larger property. May not stay as long, so the churn rate will be increased, which means you have more cost for maintenance, marketing, higher voids, those sorts of things, things you don't want. But as you're making seven or eight percent on it, who cares? If you're getting more than that, then you know, I would take it with a pinch of salt because I think potentially 10% plus is quite rare, unless you can get uh, you know blocks of flats that do that quite well sometimes. Uh, more expensive places are obviously you need more capital to invest. Uh, and you've got greater risk, show, so should the market collapse. Um, also, tenant defaults, if someone moves out, you know, you end up covering a big mortgage. So to start off with, there may not be much wiggle room as far as rent coming in, covering your costs. But on the positive side, maintenance expenses, you know, they should be quite low. You get tenants staying there for longer. The tenants will be more professional, may treat it better. So ongoing maintenance bills should be less, less churn. Plus, if a £300,000 property goes up by 10%, that's 30 grand. If a £100,000 property goes up by 10%, it's not nearly as much. So this is our mature approach, our, you know, our evolution of buy-to-let. Those are the things we start off, like a blended approach. And that's what you need to look at. In, in, one thing doesn't suit everyone. So you start with your cheaper stuff, let's get into the market, move into perhaps more expensive stuff, get capital appreciation, diversify into sheltered accommodation, fixed 8%, HMOs, make a bit of money on the way in, then get good yield, and then expand from there. Many different types you can, you can get into. So, right, we were basically saying that at the moment, it's twice as competitive in the UK housing market as it's ever been. The average estate agent uh, has just 12 properties for sale. Poor, poor, poor estate agents. Um, so there's a, there's a drought at the moment, excuse me. Competition for homes over the last year, 2021, has doubled. You know, demand is far outstripping the supply. So you know, we've, got, we've had house prices go up at some amazing levels. First time buyers, I think it's 1.4% up to 270 or thousand pounds. I think that's right. You know, only 1.4% because a lot of those are flats and flats haven't performed as well over the last year. Whereas houses are, I think, 300 or 1,000 pounds and they've gone up by 7.6%. You know, at the moment it's only taking two weeks to sell a property in the UK. So it's, it's happening very quickly. You've still got the final tale of people moving to the rural areas and people wanting to work from home. 
the commuting into town is not as important. The quality of commute is, you know, people don't want to be sat on a train for two hours sweating. You know, they want to get in and out quickly. So those sort of things are still happening, although we are at the tail end of that sort of stuff. Um, the biggest growth in the UK has been the Southwest, uh, East and West Midlands, um, and the Southeast of England, excluding London. Um, so that's what's going on in the UK. And it's actually 342,000 pounds is the average house price, now I recollect, and it's gone up by 7.6%. Some examples of, of what's going on in the showing a shortage of the housing market is apparently a property in North Birmingham, uh, according to estate agent The Avenue, last week received 95 viewing requests within 72 hours of being listed. Okay, it was sold within a week. Um, that is the shortage of property at the moment. And they went on to say, very sage-like, demand is still immense and I cannot see a significant change in rising house prices why interest rates remain so low. That's not the case. You know, there's many things that are going to be affecting house prices, not just that. You know, furlough, unemployment, so on and so forth. On the positive side, though, on Boxing Day, it was the busiest day for listing properties since records began. So more people are listing properties now than they've ever done before. 44% of people requesting valuations, an increase of 44% in the first week of the new year. So that's a record as well. So there's more property being listed now, more valuations being requested as people go around. Um, right move basically say that it's still the same story from last year at the moment, but they go on to say that 40% of all people looking to move with a property to sell have not yet listed on the market. So there's a lot more stock coming through. So it's a good buying opportunity coming up as more people, you know, try to sell their properties. So have, how have landlords saved all this tax in the UK? Well, basically over the last year, the increase in number of SPVs, single purpose vehicles that were set up in the UK has gone up by 14%. Over 50,000 were set up which is over 50% of all buy-to-let loans were taken out using SPVs. This is according to Hamptons. Now, why would they be doing that? Basically, Hamptons say that they're trying to take advantages of the tax changes that you can get through an SPV. Over the last five years, we've had uh, Myrus wiped out, which is mortgage interest relief at source used with the claim. We've had 3% stamp duty added for buy to letters. Offshore, we've had an extra 2%, so we're paying 5% now to buy. So the government are putting more and more pressure on directly held buy to let people because they see people who own second houses and investment properties are taking them away from people who are trying to get into the market, which is, you know, fair enough. However, at the other side, they're giving a lot of benefits out through SPVs in that you can claim Myrus through it. Okay, so mortgage interest relief at source is offsettable through a SPV. You can pay, excuse me, you can pay corporation tax, which is 19%, which is lower than the standard income tax you would pay, 
which is 20%. There are other benefits. For example, for example, you can claim your stationery. You can claim potentially your travel cost to visit property. You can, you can have a number of share classes so that later on in the day, should you want to put your kids on there, you can do that. If you want to you know, have your kids owning a certain sort of share type that gives them ownership, but you income, you can do that. So there's many different approaches you can take. Um, you know, you used to be able to claim fair wear and tear, this sort of stuff, but you can't do that now. But company, companies still allow you to claim a fair amount of that sort of thing. So you pay 19% corporation tax, which compares very favorably really with 20%, 40% or 45% that you would pay. And especially if you're gonna move back to the UK uh, and you're going to be living there, you've got all your salary plus all this rental income, you need to be planning like this. You can also pay yourself a, a salary um, and dividends from it. You know, any money you put in can be taken back tax-free. You know, dividends are taxed at 7.5%, uh, 32%, I think 38%. Um, and that is going up this year, so that's not great. Um, but there are great many things you can do if you're in that position. So it's a great thing to think about. And many clients, I'd say 75% of our clients are doing this. Um, if you do transfer property in, existing property, you're gonna have to pay stamp duty, okay, and capital gains tax. So it's not really designed for that. It's more designed, excuse me, more designed for if you're going to buy new stuff through the through the property. Um, as I said, half of all buy-to-let mortgages were taken out last year, and that's despite buy-to-let mortgages through a corporation being slightly more expensive than if you do it direct in your own name. Now that shouldn't be the case because government are trying to get us all to go through these companies. Now why are they doing that? Because it's transparent. You can see who owns a company at company's house. Whereas with, you know, a flat in Maidenhead that your auntie Merrill owns a quarter of, your dad owns a quarter of, you own a quarter, it's not clear. Okay, so it's better for the government to have a transparency of that nature. So that is why they're doing it. I know they're offering these perks and it really is very worthwhile to do it. Um, if you've got a non-domicile spouse, there may be issues as far as a lender having 50% in your wife's name, 50% or your partner's name, 50% in your own. And they may suggest, for example, you own 75.1% of the property and they own less than that. So you have the majority. And so there's things you've got, to, you've got to work out with the lender. But overall, it's a great idea. So there we are. That's it for this week. Thank you very much. Um, we have get a blended approach. Okay. Evolution of property. Don't forget about that. Uh, right move, prices, prices are still going up like bonkers, more stock coming in, but it's going to continue into the f foreseeable future. And then finally, think about using an SPV to, set a pro to buy a property. It's not a bad idea. Thank you very much. Do subscribe and like, take care, and hopefully see you for episode 85. Is that right, 85? Yeah, episode 85. Take care. Bye-bye.